Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there, it's Mike Williams again, and welcome to our podcast. Um, Today, we're going to call this uh, the bubble being missed by everybody. Look, as history is going to show us, 2016 didn't start off that nicely for the markets. Uh, We've been as far down as 12, 12.5% in some of the more aggressive growth indices, uh, which one would expect the growthier stuff is going to come down harder in corrective windows than others. Uh, That's perfectly normal um, and should be expected. But what about that bubble? You know, everybody talks about bubbles. Every single thing that's bad for us is a bubble now. Uh, But there's a bubble that seems to be getting missed by all the people hogging airtime these days. And I think you're going to find after this podcast, it's a pretty big miss. I'm told, by the way, by my media friends, and I do have a lot of them in there in the profession. Uh, I know I speak oddly of media sometimes and the way headlines are harmful. And I don't mean anything negative to my friends. I just think the business model changed, and I don't think the public understands it yet. But here's the deal in the media. If it bleeds, it leads. Always laugh with them a little bit, and I kind of say to them, I'd I'd add one little snippet to that as it relates to financial and investment reporting. And it it would go something like this. If it in any manner can be spoken of, devised, or defined in a way to scare the living hell out of the largest part of the audience, it's all we're going to talk about until a bigger monster arrives. And I think the last 10 or 15 years have been kind of like that. So what's the bubble? Well, the bubble is the process of worrying ourselves sick. I mean, it's all we do anymore. The process of worst casing everything. Everything is catastrophic. Everything is a collapse. Everything is chaos. It is, it is a process of defining outcomes in the very worst possible manner, even if every single thing goes against us. Now, look, history should tell us that isn't the way it works. We, we, look at the world we live in today. You're probably listening to this either on a really fancy computer or on a smartphone that didn't exist six years ago, or on technology that's allowing you to drive in your car, plug in that smartphone that didn't exist years ago, and play it through your radio. That's the world we live in. But since the terrible events of 9-11, and I've written about this and spoken of this in many podcasts, and in many talks around the world, I think 9-11, somehow, for a United States population, changed the the swagger we used to live with. Uh, I, I, I think many listeners know by now, I started in this business back in the 80s, early 80s, when nobody even knew what a financial planner was. Uh, you know, we, we had 600 mutual funds, we had a couple of broker dealers, uh, and we had Wall Street charging people a fortune in commissions. You know, I laughed today, I saw a piece on October 19th, 1987, and it talked about the chaos of that day when the Dow ended at 1734. 
1,734, or barely 10% of where we are now. And here's the staggering part about that. It spoke of the monumental level of trading, 600 million shares. On the worst day of our lives up until that point, those that didn't live through the Great Depression, when, by the way, the Dow reached 45, you know, our perspective is weird. By the way, 600 million shares on that panic day of October 19th, 1980, 600 million shares is a busy 45 minutes today. So look, this bubble of fear-mongering and doomsaying and catastrophizing everything, in other words, catastrophic outcome is the only place we end up when we describe events today. And I think it somehow seeped into our brains on that horrible day of September in 2001 when, when true hell entered our lives in a real way. But it came in the middle of a tech bubble that was already crashing at the time. And the overwhelming tendency since that point in time has to been to assume the worst. This is sort of weird because after hundreds of morning notes depicting the same and highlighting the other side of the coin, the worst rarely plays out, if ever. Think about it for a second. When did the worst possible thing happen? Could it have ever, never been worse? Was it really the worst it's ever been? I mean, all these things we have worst-casted in our minds. Everything we have defined as this is the catastrophic end. Not maybe, not possibly, it is. This is what will happen. We create these domino effects in our minds and in press and in media and in stories. Oh, well, one company missed earnings, so everybody else must be getting ready to miss earnings. And everybody in that industry is dead and everything about that industry is going to zero. Obviously, I'm speaking of energy, but my point is this. It's never been worse than it's ever been. That's in our heads. Not even remotely is the world worse than it was before us at some point. In fact, even in worst-case scenarios, even if we defined it that way at times in our history, and by the way, history is good for us because we can look back at all those other times when we thought it was the worst case. You know, we thought it was the worst case on October 19th, 1987. That was bad, 22% down in one day. But the Dow was 1734. So really, which is the lesson of history? Be scared of the worst case scenario or understand that it never actually really unfolds that way, no matter how, how terrified we are. I read a piece uh, of news earlier in the week, uh, and the author also noted that the trend in making everything catastrophic, um, he went on to point out some excellent and particularly scary instances, and I highlight them for you here, but, but let them sink in and think about this for a second. Way back in the the 70s. Uh, the 70s were termed a lost decade when I got into the business. Uh, the markets had gone nowhere, but we had had two really ugly corrections and one outright bear market. But strangely enough, we had spent seven years getting back to where we were before seven years earlier. Sound familiar? By the way, that's exactly how the first decade of this century started out. 
But here's my point. From 73 through 1974 and into early 75, the S&P 500 index lost 37% of its value. Now, one could have said, holy crap, it's never been this bad. It would be wrong, but they could have said that. But over the next five years, that very same S&P index returned 15% a year. A year. 15%. When everybody thought it was the worst case of all time. And get this, over the next 25 years, inclusive of October 19th, 1987, it returned more than 17% per year. Now, if I had sat you down at early 75 when the world stunk and said, by the way, for the next 25 years, you are going to earn an average of 17% if you will buy $10,000 worth of the S&P 500 index right this minute, right when everything looked worse than it had ever been, you wouldn't have believed me. No part of you would have believed me. So what's another time? From April 2000, of course, the top of the tech bubble, through the end of that collapse in 2003, early uh, March, actually late February was the very worst day, the S&P 500 index lost an even greater amount than that previous example. It lost 41%. Tech lost 80%. Then, from March of 2000, through October of 2007, before the next bubble burst, and that was housing, of course, the index returned more than 100%, providing an annualized rate of 16% plus. Then, of course, in the global economic collapse, what many now refer to as the Great Recession, from November of 07 through February of 09, again, March of 09 was the low, the S&P index lost a still greater total, 46% this time. Then, from March 09 through the end of last year, we gained 227%, or 19% a year. So the question is, what do we learn from these catastrophic windows of time? We learn that they're painful sometimes far more painful than what we've seen in early 2016, but painful nonetheless. And if you needed your money right at that moment, well, your planning was wrong a couple years in advance. Because if you need money early, short term, you don't put it in the market. None of these podcasts or our morning notes or any work we've done for three decades is about trading. It's about investing. It's about long-term meeting of wealth-building goals. So if any of those times really caused people pain and they needed the money, not out of emotional need to stop the pain, but they actually needed the money, then the market isn't the wrong thing. The planning was the wrong thing. So what's the bottom line? Look, the bottom line is this. There is a gigantic bubble in the business of doom. Let's face it, saying the world is ending for very stretched reason number 6,782,000,000 plus, it gets readers, it gets traffic, it gets subscribers. The media knows this. Website guys know this. 
headline writers know this, guys who are selling fear-mongering subscriptions to never-ending doomsaying in newsletters know this. We should know by now it gets far more attention than simply saying that, look, it's tough right this second, but guess what? It happens often in our history, and it all tends to work out okay, like the last several hundred years. I suspect what's really at work is that we are feeding our own self-fulfilling fears, our need to stay on guard or outright terrified just under the surface comes from this, this cycle of doomsaying that we have been in for the last 15 years. This massive roller coaster ride of unending video montages of our terrible existence has surely led to an irrational kind of impact on the underlying psychology of the crowd. Of course, now we're in the presidential cycle, which, look, what are presidential cycles really all about? I mean, politics 101 or get elected 101, whatever you want to call it, is all about this. Gather a bunch of people together, remind them of a time in the past that felt good and how bad the world is now, and then point out who's to blame for it, and then you get votes. That's the way it works. It's the way it worked every presidential cycle. So look, all of this irrational impact on the psychology of the crowd, and I do believe it is deep-seated now. I mean, all you got to do is watch a, a week or two of red ink, right? And the catastrophic, catastrophic events boil to the surface. I mean, everything is catastrophic. Zika, Zika virus is now catastrophic. It's a shame, really, and you might be wondering why. Well, look, anybody who looks at the history of our markets, of our economy, of how bad it's been at times, and how advanced our society is today, have missed this. They've missed the bubble. These perennial predictors of doom seem to spend a lot more time being wrong than right. But they disproportionately fill our airwaves. It's probably our tendency towards loss aversion. But despite vast evidence of this bias in the behavioral finance space, we just can't seem to break free from our literal obsession with the end of our financial world. All you need is a few days of red ink to light the fuse again. But what should we learn as long-term investors? What we should learn is this. The bubble of doom needs to stay around and keep getting missed, except by those wise investors that understand when you get panic and you get everybody afraid and you get everybody selling and you get ugly pricing in the market, that ugly pricing, history proves to us, coincides dynamically and almost exactly with the most uncomfortable things we feel. But in reality, history proves to us that they are the most valuable times in the market. So while we point out that the bubble has been missed, we want to thank the fact that it exists. The business of doom is alive and well, and that's great for long-term investors. So I hope these thoughts have been helpful to you. I hope they sink in a little. If you want to, listen again. Thanks again for joining us here today, and until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand 
and your legacy significant. Have a great day.